This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to OK Sis. We are two cultural observers and curious minds who happen to be related. I'm Scout. And I'm Maddie. Get ready for some serious sororal energy. As we chat about and comment on one another's current fixation of the week. Ready, Ready, sisters? Welcome back, sisters. Hello. My name is Maddie. And I am Scout. And And welcome. uh, You just totally interrupted me. You (laughs) know that's my moment. Let's do it together. That's my moment. Like, that's my moment of the podcast. (laughs) Is when I say that one fucking tagline because everybody knows that I'm going to say it. It's like, I go first in current fixations. I don't think you say it every time. Okay, I say it. Ready? Say go. It every time. And we are the sisters behind OK Sis Podcast. <laughs> Thank you for giving An me. An integral part of the pod. It's the reason we're successful in, yeah. in my mind. In my mind. Um, so welcome to OK Sis Podcast. We are sisters IRL. Is didn't. that your like radio voice? I don't know. I'm it's like, like NPR. I'm like whispering into the... Oh God, there comes the vocal fry. Oh, on me or you? On me. Ooh. Because damn. I was trying to be NPR. Terry Gross. Didn't work. Didn't work. Didn't well, work. Well, you know, it's just one of the cards for you. No, I know. Um, What's up, sister? You know what? Not much. I am a little bit tired, and I got to drive to San Diego tonight. It is 8 o'clock right little, now. Literally Sommel. What is Sommel? Story of my life. Oh, my the God. Story of your life. Okay, did you just make that up? Like, No, wh- that is a very known acronym. I've never heard of that in my entire life. Scout. I'm sorry to break it to you, but you've never <laughs> heard of a lot of things in this podcast okay, so or in life. By the time this airs, Lola will be okay, but she Lola is my dog, and Mads just created a very ver- animal abuse TikTok of her. Borderline. Border- do not do not make us be um, reported to the authorities. Oh, Lola will never get taken away from me. Those bitches, I would, I would fuck them up if someone came to take Lola from me. Anyway, someone once tried to do that. Um, what? It, I left her in my car and I just ran in to get a bagel. I had already ordered it. It was ready. I was just picking up. It was paid for. I was literally outside of my car for 45 seconds and I rolled the window all the way down for her and some, Wait, for some reason, fine, though, no, you're you, not allowed to leave your dog in your if car. You, but if the window, oh, even if the windows are not down. It was kind of a hot day and oh. um, literally Animal no. Patrol was literally next to my car in those 45 seconds and they tried to they were (gasps) their hands were in my car going to grab lola and i was like what the fuck are you doing and he's like i'm taking your dog and i'm like no you're not you are not taking my dog in like a a uniform maybe it wasn't animal patrol maybe it was a fucking lunatic who was actually he was in a a uniform but he could have just he could have just ebayed that shit and just takes dogs yeah what is an animal patrol uniform um it was a khaki shirt with like a sign i think wow it was what in Costa Mesa. Luck? It was really weird. Maybe you know, you know what? Maybe he was trying to steal Lola. Yeah, I, I oh, think fuck. so. He was trying to steal my goddamn fancy He's ass Pomeranian. We have to go. We need to do some research on what the Animal Patrol uniform is, yeah, and I, if they're roaming around Costa Mesa just looking for bagels and dogs. Yeah, I mean, shout out Shirley's Bagels, best fucking bagel I've ever had. You've obviously not been to the East Coast, but nope. that's okay. Uh-uh. Shirley's incredible. Okay. All right, moving right along. Okay, um, what were we talking about? About Lola's surgery Oh, Lola tomorrow. has a surgery tomorrow because she has something wrong with her tooth. I don't know the science behind it. My husband does. And it is protruding into her cheek. And I have one of those, I think. You don't because she has a wound on her cheek. And so she's getting the tooth out. She has to go under anesthesia tomorrow. And it's a whole fucking deal. And I have to take her. She's going to be fine. Don't worry, guys. I know you're worried. Take take some video. You know how people take videos of them after they get their wisdom teeth pulled? Do that for Lola. And put it no. on TikTok. This is no. good content. No, no, no. It's not. Because when dogs are drugged up, it's like so sad. Because oh, she just so like just, lays there. And she's oh. just like... She's like like a like a like a heavy what's it called like weight dead weight dead weight. She's um, dead weight. So she's not gonna say anything funny. No, she's not gonna say anything. Aww. Oh, she'll be quiet for once in her life. That's sad. I really yeah. wanted her to say something funny. Oh, sorry. This would have been good uh, content for our TikTok, but whatever. Thanks, yeah. Lola, for good. being a dog. <laughs> good fucking lord. <laughs> no, she'll be okay. Everyone put Lola in her prayers, but this also will come out after, so it's negligent. Um, great. Yeah. So I want to talk about something. Oh. I've been thinking a lot about this. 
And I feel as if I've been listening to some podcasts and people say this, and I find it to be particularly, I mean, I'm not, not, I listen to a lot of male podcasts, but I find it to be particularly with a female guest. And some of our guests have said this on our podcast. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I don't believe in this. And I am very good at this, which is taking a compliment. So when someone says, wow, like you're so accomplished or wow, you're so this or congrats, you know, you know, you look so beautiful today. Our immediate reaction is to be like, no, like it it wasn't that hard or that's inflated or that was like two years ago. We always diminish our achievements and our beauty and our successes and what we have going for us because we don't want to feel as if we're boasting but I'm all like my whole thing in 2020 is fucking boast that self-confidence girl like you should love yourself and when someone gives you a compliment you should take it and say thank you I really appreciate that I feel the same way or you don't have to feel the same way but just say thank you and look them in the eye yeah what do you think yeah owning compliments in 2020 um hmm what do I think about this Obviously, this has imposter syndrome written all over it. Actually, or does I it learned have something. You think, you think you should just say that because that's what you know. You're supposed to like play small and be like, oh, no. Sure. It could it, that could play into it a little bit of societal um, regulations around that type of reaction. But um, I actually watched a very interesting video about. It's actually, I think, called imposter phenomenon and instead of imposter syndrome, because in syndrome implies that or like undervalues how universal that feeling is because syndrome seems more targeted mm. or limited to a, mm-hmm. a small Rare. group of pe- people, whereas it's a phenomenon. It's an actual thing that a lot of people experience. So that it's was a human that was condition. Right. So I think and even just knowing that and um blowing it up and understanding that it actually affects everyone is uh, a really good way to combat it. I don't know. Side note. But um, yeah, taking a compliment, I think I think I do a good job of taking it in the moment. Not so sure I do a good job of internalizing it. Mm, two separate things. Yeah. So so for me, if someone did compliment, I'd be like, thanks. Like, I, I don't think I recoil, um, but I don't think I take it to heart and use it to either boost my self-esteem or boost uh, productivity or boost pride. I don't think any of those things happen. We have two steps here. Step one for our sisterhood. Learn how to take a compliment. Stand in your ground, look them in the eye and say, thank you. I really appreciate that. Step two, go home, internalize that shit. Get run away. No. Okay. Don't run away. (laughs) Step two. Once you're home, alone, whatever, in the car, internalize that shit. Feel what that feels like to be complimented. Write it down. Like sometimes I, I keep a log. My my best, the, one of the best business advices I got was when I started my agency, I was like so worried that my work wasn't good enough for these people. And uh, a family friend of ours said, you need to get testimonials and you need to write them down. And so therefore, whenever you feel bad about yourself or having that imposter imposter phenomenon, phenomenon, you can revert back to those. So if someone gives you a compliment, like you are beautiful, write that down. Say, this person told me I was beautiful today. And how does that feel in my heart? Yeah. I mean... We, I think that that to me is the is the more challenging aspect. The internalizing of it. Of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a topic! Actually, I have kind of piggybacking off of this. I have a really hot tip, something that I have implemented on accident, and uh, something I guess you were doing for a long time that I didn't realize. I um, turned off Instagram notifications. Oh, I haven't had Instagram notifications for like two years. This is. Game changer. Game changer. So It's so fucking annoying when it's on. I can't deal with it. So the thing is, you're going to look at Instagram. Like yeah. you are going to open the app. I, yeah. I don't have any worry. I don't have any doubt yeah, yeah, that I will be opening in. it up every fucking minute maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But So why do you need the extra stimulus? Why do you need the extra ping and disruption of your mind? It is, and it's, it's not even like one ping of like, you just got 10 likes. It is 10 notifications for every fucking like. Well, I think you can. That is just you can, excessive. No, you can uh, customize that. But, but it's just, it's so 
it, it also makes me more excited to go into the app because if I don't l- look at it for an hour or something um, and I'll be like, wait, why didn't I get an like, why don't I get a notification? And I'll remember my notifications are off and then I'll go in and be like surprised by all the beautiful comments. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I don't get that many comments, but um, it's just, there's a little bit of element of um, excitement. that comes One time with it. it was noon and I realized I hadn't checked Instagram. It was a good day. It was a good fucking day. I mean, come on. Without that's an consciously, like I didn't, no, yeah. and I didn't say I'm not going to look at it till noon. I just one day was sitting at work, and I was like, oh fuck, I I posted a photo last night, and I don't even know how many likes it got. Right, and I think there's this uh, there's this thrill. It's bringing it's bringing a thrill back to the back to the app for me. But it also so. just it eliminates, in a sense, not completely, but it eliminates that addictive behavior and that distraction. So yeah. If you're doing something else, you can't do something else purposely if all you see are notifications constantly, you know, dragging your attention towards that scope of whatever. But if you don't have them on, you go when you have time. You go when you need a break. You go when you have a pause, a and moment. It's, and it's actually when you want to check it rather than some external stimuli telling you that you have to check it. Yeah, you're not a slave at to that it as moment. much. I mean, we're all slaves to yeah. it, but we can diminish our shackles. Yeah, this is... <laughs> Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Just getting poetic for you. Right. Yeah. We got the metaphor. Thanks. Uh, Wow. So I think that's a great tip. Yeah. I think think it's a hot one. I think it's a really good one. Going into 2020, trying to uh, keep the focus on the mental health. Yes. Always. As per usual. APU. Um, I also had a breakthrough today. Wow. I'm having a really emotional day. Oh, Okay. So I was doing Do you tell m- the class? Yeah, I'm gonna scout. tell the class. So I was doing my morning pages this morning, which I talk about in this episode. You'll hear what those are in a second. It's my So you station. have to keep listening. So you gotta keep listening. And all of a sudden and I'm I'm sorry if I I'm not I'm not sorry if I cry, but just warning I might cry. Um Right now? Yes, right now. Oh. When I tell you this. Okay. I had the most clarity I've ever had in my life as to why God gave me bipolar disorder. I realized the reason why I have suffered for so fucking long and it came to me in a second and the reason I suffered why I have it is because bipolar disorder for me is an inner compass. So I have been listening to so many podcasts of people saying I woke up when I was 50 in a job I hated in a life I hated and I don't even know what happened to my life. My bipolar disorder would never let me do that. It would never let me work a job I didn't like. It would never let me stay in a relationship that wasn't fulfilling. It would never let me stay in a friendship that wasn't fulfilling. Live in a city I didn't like. Not. I mean, it keeps, you like, know. You can't live passively with it. No, I can't. Like, and, and what a gift. Yeah. Like, even though bipolar disorder has taken so much from my life I had to go through all that pain in order to make sure that at the young age of 28 I wasn't going to waste 20 years on a life that wasn't worth it and fulfilling for me and so I am like overcome with emotion and clarity of wow something that I would curse and hate and and you know like curse God why do I have to go through this has actually given me the pathway to lead a very intentional purposeful and fulfilling life now now that I have the tools and the strength to overcome the mental instability and the lows yeah but like I have never been happier in my entire life than I have been in the last you know year I since my last episode which was in July which it's been a update sisters I have not had an episode since July which is crazy I usually have them every three episodes I mean have I texted you in a low lately no for a long time yeah I mean yeah I would I would agree that bipolar disorder brings color to your life whether that's you know gray undertones or it's this vibrancy and I think it obviously oscillates but that's what makes I think you're very very present and that's not something that a lot of people can actually say that they have a gift for yeah and it's just I I just can't like I I can't see myself waking up at the age of 50 and not knowing what happened to my life I also think that's that's just that's also something we 
both have as very ambitious people. I don't think only that, like you could be so ambitious and want to climb a ladder in whatever it is. If if it's entrepreneurship, if it's the corporate world, whatever floats your boat, whatever things are going to be fulfilled. And you could do it for 15 years thinking that this is what you're supposed to do. Never asking yourself, wait a minute, is this what I'm supposed to do? Like, do I actually enjoy it? And then you get to the destination and you're like, fuck, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I just spent 15 years of my life in pursuit of this. And it's so it's like that. I, I just can't see that ever happening to me because I love the journey so much. Like the it, it's just not you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's I mean, it's just I don't know how to explain it, guys, but it was so clear to me and it made me so fucking happy. Great. Thanks. Well, that's what we're looking for. Me to be happy. A happy scout. Oh, God. <laughs> in the pursuit of a happy scout always <laughs> and forever. Wow. I'm so proud of you, Scoutala. Still, still trying to uh, enjoy the journey myself. But yeah, you'll get there. It's, it's coming. It's coming. Um, oh, Ooh. oh! I thought I hit your foot. No, you just dropped your water bottle. What if you dropped right. it on Lola? That would have been terrible. Well, she's suffered enough. Yeah, remember, remember when she fell off the chair in the middle of podcast? Oh my god! Just Lola. Lola is the third co-host that you guys don't see, but she's with us for every recording. I know. You probably miss her when she's not here. Well. Okay. Are you going to love my new dog? Guys, guess what? Oh, my God. I'm getting a new dog. It'll be here in two weeks. And her name is Luna. Her name is Luna. Luna Lola. How are they going to distinguish between these names? Fuckers can learn the difference between an N and an L, okay? Luna Lola. Yeah, you're just say it like that every time. Yeah, well, we'll have like like Lola. I call Lols, and so we'll have like a nickname. Loons? Yeah, I don't know. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, excited to meet the new pup. Your new niece. New niece. I am an aunt. Well, you are. You have been an aunt oh, for a while. I know. I, I said that in the present. Oh. I am an aunt. And you will become another aunt. I am going to. <laughs> That's not how that works. I am forever an aunt. Yes, you are. Wow. This is off the rails. Okay. Fabulous. Yeah. Let's do our housekeeping. Okay. Let's do it really quickly, though, because I feel like we burden our sisters with our housekeeping too much. Um, oh, yeah. do we? Yeah, a little bit. You okay, know? ready? It's I'm like going to do, do it fast because I'm a fast talker. Okay. Are you ready? One, we have a Facebook group. It's called OK Sisters. T-E-R-S is in parentheses. Also, I just noticed today that if you type in OK Sisters into Facebook, that is what you will find. So you don't need the parentheses. So we don't have to say that anymore. Fuck yeah. Number two, everything is okay, in the link yelling. in our bio. You're yelling. You're yelling. Okay. Just Sorry. tone it down. Everything. <laughs> everything is in the link in our bio on our Instagram at OKSIS podcast. So if you ever need anything, it's all there in the links. We have a website called OKSISpodcast.com. That is where you can subscribe for our newsletter that comes out every Monday. So you should have got one today and it's super premium. Um, number three, we have a fucking live event. You can January go slower 31st. for this one. Cause this one's like, Oh, like this is it. like the, this is like, this cream is cool. The this is cool. This cool. <laughs> everything else is not cool. <laughs> no, this is, this is the best January. 31st mark your fucking calendars sisters we are having a live event at the dream hollywood hotel with none other than cassie and michelle randolph yeah you heard that right randolph randolph and it's gonna be a stellar night if you're in la did you say that sponsored by house wine we're gonna be turned we're gonna be live podcasting it's gonna be a fucking time we're gonna be in a dress and heels yeah i'm gonna look we're gonna look snatched yeah, we're gonna look hot. Yeah, so you better come snatched. That yeah. is that that is the attire. Yeah, I don't like that word. So oh. no, the attire. Sorry, I got that from the morning toast. The attire is hot as fuck. Hot as fuck. Okay, yeah, cool. Great. Yeah, bring your girls. Get your drink on. So to RSVP, link in bio, as I said, um, on our Instagram, um, or in the show notes, or in, in the, the show notes. All the shits in the show notes. Yeah, I spend a fucking long time in those show notes. Yeah, I hope you guys are. Looking in there. Yeah, look in there. There's look some, in there. There's some stuff. Um, yeah, that's the housekeeping. Yeah, and we love you. Oh, rate, subscribe, review. Woohoo. <laughs> rate, subscribe, review. Woohoo. I love that. Thanks. It just let's came to me. Yeah, let's start doing that. Oh, my God. You like one of my ideas? Yes. Yeah. Oh, also follow us Follow us on TikTok. Okay. Yeah, actually. <laughs> actually, we, 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 we just made a really good TikTok. It was so funny. If you just want to pee your pants. We did leapfrog, and Maddie's head hit my vagina. Her vagina sweat. Um, my vagina's not sweating today. Thanks. Wow. It's a good day. I don't know what I felt then. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> you asshole. Um, also, there's so many times during the day where I want to 
um, post on Instagram stories about like things we've mentioned. So like I had insane vagina sweat in Trader Joe's and I just thought it would be like good content, but then I looked so bad, but I think the sister would appreciate it. Right. So if you guys would appreciate posts like that. Do you really care what our sisters think of how we look like? This is true. Really? Like I post the most horrendous photos. Okay. So next time I'm in, I'm in Trader Joe's and I have vagina sweat, I will document it for you guys. Yes. Why aren't you documenting that shit? I don't know. I was like a little insecure. Break the fucking stigma. Okay. Break the vagina sweat stigma. Yes. Yeah. I will get you a fucking hat that says that. Oh. What great merch. Okay. Oh my merch. God. We just came up with Hashtag merch. Vagina <laughs> Hashtag vagina sweat. Yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, my boyfriend's friend was trying to listen to one of our podcasts and um, male or female male okay and the first one he he was like yeah i try to listen to maddie's podcast but then they just try they started talking about vagina sweat and i just couldn't do okay it. so that episode we come right out like we start with the vagina sweat on that episode yeah so that probably is the best episode to like bring to your boyfriends if like you wanted them to be converted to but like okay, maybe sis. so they can sympathize with what it's like to be a woman this is true this is what we do on the podcast we destigmatize we bring to light the things that no one else wants to fucking talk about and sorry sorry if it makes you uncomfortable yeah sorry it makes us uncomfortable in Trader Joe's okay yeah and we have to deal with it so okay great um let's talk about about this episode it's really good I'm really excited about this one it's incredible so we had the beautiful founder of Podcorn which is a marketplace for podcasters and advertisers to connect and transact essentially you can um essentially you post your podcast and then you can browse through advertisers that um are wanting to work with uh, podcasters and content creators and you send them a proposal and okay, you kind well, of we, we, we tell the story oh what, sorry we don't need to say you know let them let them listen oh sorry let okay. them uncover the gems well, i'm just saying it's a very it's a very lucrative and great uh tool, tool for people who if you want to be become a podcaster and go into the space um the founder her name is agnes she is a boss babe that and is for smokin'. sure smoken smoking not to diminish her like intellect she yeah is, she, I mean, we, we, she is highly she's got that she's got that down too she's entrepreneur to the nines and this was just an incredible podcast about again we talked about monetization how that works in the podcasting world because it's obviously very confusing and we break down everything for you all yeah so we hope you enjoy One of the most surprising side effects of postpartum for me was that my hair started shedding right around the crown of my head. Now I have these random baby hairs sticking out near my forehead that I just can't figure out what to do with. Yeah, I keep asking you to tame those down, but they seem to be very stubborn. Yes, I know, Mads. After a few months of me not seeing improved hair growth, I knew I needed to give my hair some extra strength and support. Enter Nutrafol. I just got the Nutrafol's postpartum supplement and I'm so excited because I'm committed to supporting my hair health now that I'm postpartum. The next six months is going to be me and Nutrafol. I might not be a mother like Scoutala is, but as you sisters know, we are always on a hair journey here on OK Sister Podcast. I am always looking for a way to up my hair health game. I love Nutrafol because they have a whole body approach, multi-targets, underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker and stronger hair. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplements for six months. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code OKSIS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com promo code OKSIS. That's Nutrafol.com promo code OKSIS. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. 
when I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie, like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans, and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once, the white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless design. So you can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately. And I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before. And we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast. Because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right, 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Agnes Cozera is the co founder of Podcorn, a marketplace that takes the pain out of finding and sponsoring podcasts while empowering podcasters to monetize their voices and passions in a way that is engaging for listeners. Prior to Podcorn, Agnes was a product manager at Google and is the co-founder behind the Google-owned branded content platform, FameBit. FameBit became the leading marketplace where brands and YouTube stars collaborate for branded content, and the company was acquired by Google in 2016. Without further ado, Agnes! Woo! Hello, that was hello. a great intro. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is so meta because we've never had like a podcast aficionado, someone that works in the podcast <laughs> in the space. space. So this is going to be a very meta podcast because we're going to be talking about how the industry has evolved and kind of how you've yeah. seen it just being a professional within it. Well, you guys are the professionals within it. Oh, let's just well, thank you. Put that out there. Thank we'll, you. we'll take that compliment. <laughs> we will take it and run with it. Um, all right. Should we do current fixations? Yes. So my current fixation right now is something called Morning Pages. It's from the book, The Artist Way. And I heard about it. On- oh, my gosh. Do you do was, it too? Yes. Oh, no way. Obsessively. Obsessively. Oh my gosh. I just started and I 
cannot. So I've been in therapy for 14 years. The amount of clarity that has come. So for those that don't know, morning pages is when the first thing you do when you wake up, you don't look at your phone, you don't do anything else. You sit down and you just brain dump and write for one to three pages. And you're not supposed to think or be critical or judgmental or analyze what you're writing. You're just supposed to write. And the most incredibly thoughtful your subconscious comes through it's almost like I categorize it like the back of my brain is coming towards to the front things that I never even thought were in my brain or even realize like I had an amazing breakthrough this morning with it and now I go to bed so looking forward to that time alone just to really connect within I've never felt more connected to myself than when I do morning pages Wow. So do you do this even before you go to the bathroom, before no, you no, drink no. water? I wake up, I walk, I pour myself a cup of coffee, I go to the bathroom, I sit down, and I do my morning pages. I Beautiful mean, routine. You have to pee in the morning. I know. I was going to say, like, is this like straight out of bed, you're rolling out? And just, no, like, no, no, no. Like, I mean, okay. it's, it's within the minute or two of, sure, sure. of like getting up from, you know, from my alarm. I need to start doing this. So Agnes, you are, <laughs> you are a, well, yeah, tell I'm us about starting. your experience. Okay, I'm starting cool. to do it. I actually used to journal at night right mm. before bed. And then I read in the book that apparently doing it in the morning, you're, you're most in touch with your subconscious mm-hmm. and you're not poisoned by like all the things that went wrong in your day. So you have a clear head. You're it's I guess you're journaling the things that are most present in your heart. So I totally relate. It's, yeah, it's um, it is so transformational. I, I yeah. and I as I said, I've been in therapy for 14 years. I've literally done this. I think this is day five and I have uncovered things about myself and learned about myself more than 14 I mean obviously not more than 14 years of therapy but very quickly and it takes me I I don't know I do 20 minutes in the morning yeah that's it yeah we're big into morning routines and And then I do my daily stoic yeah same have you taken yourself on an artist date yet no I haven't even read this book I haven't even read the artist's way oh it's part of the book yeah there's different things you can do so one of the tasks uh, tasks I guess is to take yourself on an artist date so do something special for yourself that you would as a kid which for me that brings me to like I guess my obsession which is adult coloring books oh I don't know I've gotten I've gotten so into it I've just feel like it de-stresses me and even friends of mine who, who have these sort of like super serious stuffy jobs lawyers doctors um other entrepreneurs it's just a way to really let yourself go and be creative and be playful and yeah. get in touch with your inner child. It's very nostalgic for me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, there's something to say about that kind of bringing you down to a more like basic level. I think it's just, we, we spend our whole days being so analytical and always in our brains in terms of more data and this, and yeah. we're trying to strategize and just kind of eliminating all that and bringing it to just colors within the line like that's just wild we have to try that we have to do that we've heard heard of people actually a lot of people who have come on the podcast have mentioned that and it's just a it's kind of I I think of it more as um like knitting for me so I used to knit a lot when I was watching tv because I didn't I wasn't looking at my phone or I wasn't you know multitasking in that way it was more so just a fixation you can do with your hands and I I kind of feel like drawing could be parallel to that how how long do you go for like what's an average session oh I don't know it could go it's probably like a four-hour session oh my god yeah we have like I I actually do like these coloring book parties with my friends where we get drunk and we color and we just spill out our lives that is (laughs) the best idea we need to do that it's it's very therapeutic so the goal is that we each finish a picture and you get through a picture you feel accomplished and yeah I love that and you're drinking anything with wine <laughs> you're drinking we, were, we will sign ourselves yeah, sign up. us up sign us I up I love that okay so my current fixation so since we're gonna be talking about a lot of media platforms today in our podcast episode I thought I would give an honorable mention to my current fixation which is <laughs> TikTok so nice. I'm fascinated not only by its meteoric rise but also there's this as you know, people who play with it all day long can attest there is this infectiousness about it. And 
Um, on a previous episode, I did mention that I love watching dancing videos on uh, Instagram. That's something yeah. I love to do. I love <laughs> to follow the like leading dance studios in LA. And it's mesmerizing. Are you a dancer? I am not. Like I used <laughs> she to be. Wishes. She I, wishes. And she wishes. I wish it. I, oh God. I think. But when did you say? Like when did you decide you're not a dancer? I feel like everyone is a dancer. You just make this decision that you're oh, not. That's so philosophical. I love that. I mean, but, I, I uh, dance no. in public. <laughs> it's I'll, again I'll, this childish exactly. thing. Like no child ever thinks they're a bad dancer. Exactly. And I think that's yeah. what TikTok has ignited in me. <laughs> it's like, I'm a great dancer. Look at me. Like I <laughs> and I watch everyone else. I'm like, oh, right. That's how you actually do it. But anyways, I've just, I've, I've always been very fascinated with dancing and people who are, I just, I, it is such a beautiful thing to me the it way is. people can move their bodies that way and i love hip hop hip hop dancing so oh wow am i being quiet yeah, well your, your mouth is just yeah like there, there, there we go. go yeah can you guys Sorry. hear me now yeah way better um so I, i've just kind of shifted the delight i get from those instagram videos to tiktok and i can scroll for hours i understand the addictive quality it is an insane platform and just to see these kids becoming overnight sensations the way that the internet can can do that for people and provide opportunities it's wild i don't See, know that I just always gets about me it. it gets me like a little bit upset when i think about that because in the instagram world and where i come from in the content creation world a lot of people had to earn their platform and they had to work right. really hard and it took three two three five years to get to a point where they could make a full-time job out of it and like sure. really dedicate that loyal following and so what we're seeing with the rise of tiktok are these stars that are going from zero to 50 million or 15 million whatever it is but I'm really interested in will that following last and how deep-seated like loyalty does it really is it really gonna is it gonna stand TikTok will stand the test of the time but will these people's following stand the test of time if they're smart they should be platform agnostic and they should find ways to monetize on different platforms not just TikTok and they should find they need to discover sustainability I mean Mm -hmm. These people are 15, so I don't know if they're <laughs> going to be able to think that strategically, right. but that is what's going to need to happen. Like, but I mean, I, you've yeah. seen it with Vine, right? Yes. With Vine stars, they've become big YouTube stars and they've moved over to create different types of content on, on different platforms. Right. I just think looking at this, you really see how creativity in a way or, or actually, well, becoming fame has been democratized, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I think it, but I do agree with your point that it's all about being movable to other platforms and adapting to other mediums and yeah which yeah. you have done quite brilliantly yeah <laughs> I didn't even nice think about it. it I know this is exactly what I wanted to kind of ease into with you so you created this company called Famebit right and can you tell us at what point of the YouTube uh, phenomenon did this exist because I think you yeah. had incredible foresight to see the value in monetizing and connecting obviously yeah. contact creators with brands and giving them opportunities to to use this as a as a career path so yeah. kind of talk through what where did this idea or originate and why did you yeah. feel the need to Ooh. do it yeah so let's go way back mm-hmm. um so yeah, at the time, actually, not a peop- not a lot of people were using YouTube for brand marketing. I actually got into it because, well, I originally was um, on my way to becoming a lawyer. So I completely oh. fell into tech by accident. But I had founded a small sub- a subscription commerce company. And that was like really early on in the Birchbox days um, when Birchbox had just come out. And I had no idea how to market it. I had no money, but I was an avid YouTube consumer I mean YouTube made me buy a ton of things I didn't need particularly for makeup stuff and I just saw it as a channel and I started reaching out to these creators Um, I reached out there was a bunch of MCNs and multi-channel networks at the time but they weren't really interested in the types of budgets that I had to work with creators because I was a small brand and a broke law student so um, I did it myself and I built out this little neat um, small network of mine of creators who became really great brand ambassadors. And within three months, I saw a 20x return uh, on my little commodity. And I was like, wow, this, you know, I'm just putting stuff in a box here, but it's, wow. it's you know, it's really doing great. And I saw that it was these personalities who had these incredible relationships with audiences um, and and the trust that they had between these audiences was something that I couldn't ever build out as a brand myself so um yeah that's kind of how I pivoted into fame bit and, and what year was that 
That was in 2013. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So okay, pretty so, early. So, pretty early. I th- feel like YouTube started booming, what, around, like, 2009-ish? It started kind of coming around yeah. a little bit? Yeah, but everyone used to think of it as, like, cat videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, maybe too. music videos. or th- yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. didn't become, like, a as you said, having branded content and branded partnerships until exactly. probably around then. Exactly. No one knew what a haul or a lookbook or tutorial right. or, you know, an unboxing or fitness routine. Like, what does that mean? And uh, so it was really exciting being part of that. And so part of the reason um, for FameBit was that all these other small brands that wanted to be in my box really wanted to be on YouTube, but they had no idea how I was doing this YouTube thing. Uh, and then all these creators I saw wanted to make money. And I saw there was value in the talent kind of downstream that you know, there was other creators who maybe didn't have a million subscribers, but because they were had a niche that resonated with my brand and made sense for my brand, they actually moved the needle for me a lot better than a really big creator. So that's kind of how it started. This marketplace or kind of like a Airbnb for for video sponsorships. And yeah, we were able to do a really good job for the creator ecosystem and got acquired by Google on the way so okay, so what was that oh, like shit. when you wake up in the morning and you get an email or you get a call and and it's Google's like, hey, it's like Google. um excuse me I would like to acquire you talk about that process how long did it take what were negotiations like were did you just jump jump on it because it was Google or were you like since you kind of have that lawyer mindset of like well let me let me let me look at that contract <laughs> yeah I mean I feel like you can't really get try to get acquired by Google. I feel like they have to notice you. So we were um, lucky that they came to us. But yeah, it was a very, very hard and tedious process. Like the whole acquisition and the due diligence. I think it took over six months, maybe longer. So that whole time, it's it's really hard culturally for you as a team because you can't really tell the team and you built this really transparent and awesome culture with your people and your family but you can't share this big thing that's happening and at the same time you have to you know be moving the company to the right and doing the right things and um and knowing that this thing might fall through and might not happen but um to your to your question about whether or not um you know it was kind of like the right fit off the bat I think it was because we were a YouTube company we built this for YouTube stars so um, I think Google was the perfect home for that company. So it's kind of a dream come true. We never would have scaled as fast or done as much without it. And we kind of knew that. So for what we were doing, it made a lot of sense. Obviously, podcasting is like a whole different beast. It's super fragmented and um, it's a very different medium. But for that company, it, it really was a dream come true uh, and a perfect fit right off the bat. So, yeah, I feel very lucky. But it was very surreal. I feel yeah. like. I feel like for the first while when it happened, I felt like it wasn't happening or it wasn't going to happen. And um, yeah, it's hard to get your hopes up. So is FameBit still Google's like primary way that uh, YouTube, the YouTube community, uh, you know, interacts and transacts within that way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still thriving and going and the team is huge now. Um, So... Yeah, it's doing really well. I have a question. So I have done a few ventures. Obviously, Google has never acquired one of my ventures, but (laughs) they're coming for you, Scout. Don't worry. I know it just—it's in the spam. You know, I just haven't checked my spam in a while. Um, And every time I leave a project, it's almost as if I have to go through a mourning period and this a grief period or a loss of identity because when you start a company, it becomes so much of who you are. I'm I have my own PR agency, and it is just so at the forefront of my brain every single day. It's everything I work towards. It's what I wake up for. It's what I'm hungry for all the time. Same with OK Sis. That once that's taken away from you, and it was taken away from you in a very amazing, beautiful, <laughs> what we hope, the, the way our babies right. are taken from us. But it's still, it's it's a, it's a an emotionally difficult thing. What was it that is. transition like for you? Like the first day you woke up and, and fame bit wasn't yours anymore. Yeah, I think it's a process. I think at first you're just grateful that this amazing thing happened to your company and to you and to your team and um, everyone's dreams are coming true. But I think what you're saying, it's true. You kind of grieve the loss of your company where you're this person kind of overseeing everything. And then there's a lot more other people involved, um, you know, you have to align the vision with a lot of different individuals. So I think it's hard and the team gets kind of shifted around the people that reported to you don't report to you anymore. 
um, you all of a sudden report to someone else. It's it's a it's a different process. It definitely changes how you and you. I kind of feel like this is why I wanted to go start another company because you build this family, you create something amazing with, and then you're like, oh, I want to create a new family and do this all over again. It's a very addictive process. Yeah. I mean, that's why they say people yeah. are serial entrepreneurs. I mean, you would think they're like masochists, but I could understand why. <sighs> that's they're, me, 100%. It is fun to, it's it's exhilarating, it's thrilling, and, and you kind of take all the mistakes you had and we're like, okay, now I will do it completely different this way and yeah. start from the bottom up. And I think that mentality um, is is unique but it's it's an incredible one for sure i have that mentality yeah for sure. i think i've started to gain a little bit of it oh yeah get in the butt you know the <laughs> entrepreneurial the bug. bug um okay so this is a great transition to yeah. podcorn so i do want to ask because podcorn and you can um obviously elaborate more eloquently but it seems to be a similar uh basis as right. uh famebit where it's a marketplace where podcasters content creators can meet up with advertisers and have that relationship um did you you just kind of take the formula from Famebit um, because you saw the podcasting space was booming and then just kind of apply it to that? Or is there something different about it? That's a great question. I mean, obviously, I think it's a very different medium. The way the platform's built is specifically for audio and also obviously like all the pains and learnings from Famebit and like what worked, what didn't um, and how we can do it better. Even just the way I think about building the team now is a lot different and who I feel like I need. Um, you know, kind of doing the other company, a lot of things we like threw on the wall and let's see what sticks and you make a lot of mistakes. Whereas here we're, we're a lot more strategic right off the bat, but, um, I, I didn't set out to do another marketplace. I think, you know, in many ways I kind of wanted to get away yeah, from doing what I was doing. Um, but, and, and take a break from it, but it just, I saw how similar, um, the needs of one the creators were but also the needs of the brands and how you know revenue is lagging so much behind attention you have all these different studios and networks and and um, kind of like the MCNs of the podcasting world emerging but there isn't there was um, no self-service way for really put the power back in the podcasters hands to be able to kind of change the even how it's priced because I feel like the ad buying model is very archaic oh it's <laughs> shitty. shitty it's yeah. it's also very what we've noticed it's very hush hush like it's yeah it's kind of how um a little bit how instagram works where it's like a brand will dm you and then you kind of just <laughs> give a rate and then it's like i mean yeah there, but there's, there's there's formality of course no, and like people are I, getting, I would disagree with you i would say that i mean that's what happens when you talk to maybe more boutique people but when well, you that's, go that's through, what i'm saying when you go through more of a traditional ad agency i mean the rates are locked the fuck no, of in. course of course i'm more saying that like but you can do business that way yeah like, you can. it's kind of crazy how people can yeah. just like slide into a influencer's dms and be like hey uh, <laughs> I'm gonna give you some product. Do you want? It's like this weird exchange of yeah. goods that is has no uh, like regiment and like structure around it. Right. And I think that's what we're seeing for sure with podcasts, as you you mentioned that it's fragmented. I, we say that all the time. It's I think a lot of people are scared to enter the space because it's so overwhelming and because there's so many options and ways to do it that there is no one clear path and. Right. Um, it's hard for someone to enter it, but we want it's again, we want more podcasters. That's what makes the medium successful. Yeah. I think from that perspective, it's actually a better medium for, um, for advertising. Cause mm. not only is it more intimate and I think you can dive deeper on a lot of subjects than you can, you know, in, in sort of any other medium, like in video, people get excited about two minutes and what can you really do with an advertiser in two minutes while you're also like organically and authentically while you're creating your own, your own content. But also it's just inclusive of a lot more verticals. It's much more expensive. It's, um, and for advertisers, you know, like even B2B companies or com meditation, education, things you can't even ship in a box. They fit really well into the podcast world, even like collaborations. They make a lot more sense because you don't have to be present in the same room. You can, you know, talk to an executive or a founder of the company about their founding story and what makes their product unique and ask the questions that you think your listeners would want to know about a company. So I think from that perspective, it actually takes authenticity and advertising to a higher level than other mediums have. It's not so much like product pushing. It's more journalistic, inquisitive. 
Question, yeah. what do you think the difference, so just for people who out there may be listening who are interested in the podcasting space but don't know how the monetary side of this whole thing works, which is something Mads and I have been jumping into, there's Podcorn, which is where we, you know, we signed up, we're, we're involved yeah. with Podcorn. You go in and you see a list of, po- of advertisers that would like to advertise with you and you message them. You send them a personalized message. You explain your your show. You explain your rate, when you want to publish right. it, all this stuff. And then if they think it's a good fit, they'll message you and then you go from there. So it really is like a DM situation to connect people. And then there's the other side of things where you can go with an ad agency. Right. So talk to me about your specific specific decision to do a marketplace versus an ad agency and what the benefits of a marketplace are yeah I mean first and foremost I think it goes back to the power of the person creating the content you guys are doing the work you know what your work is worth you know what goes into creating content the time the you know the ideation for topics and so on so I think from that perspective I think creators and and just even seeing the work that has come out of working with YouTubers, they're more creative and more amazing than the best ad agencies in the world. And I just think, yeah, I just think, and also like your connection with the audience is really unique. And I think once you put a middleman in front of it, it really sabotages the experience. And I can't speak to um, that in every case. I just think that, very often the message between the brand and the person actually creating the content gets kind of diluted and lost and misread and also like the concept of transparency around the concept of pricing you know like some agencies it's hard to even know what their margin is and what the actual creator is getting um so yeah i think all those factors and and just seeing i think you know when i started famebit initially so many people in the industry were you know, you see yell at me on panels and be like, what are you doing? Creators don't know how to price themselves. They're not professional. They don't know how to talk to brands. They're, and, and that's not true. Like that's been proven very well untrue that they don't need someone advocating on their behalf. I mean, you guys are creating brands and businesses in your own right. Like this is a business. So um, yeah, I think from, from that perspective, it's connecting the professional to a professional and, and it just makes sense. I love what you I said because you that. said that you're basically saying, no, they're not just talent, they're business owners. Like, yeah. give them some fucking respect. Like, they built yeah. this to what it is now. Like, yes, maybe they would need some help to scale it to a, you know, astronomical As space. does every entrepreneur. Sure. It's just like, yeah. but they built it to an audience of X amount of followers and users and loyal community, like give them some credit. Yeah. That's amazing. That's incredible that you've, you've seen that. Yeah. And I think monetization means different things to different people. You know, I mean, an agent might decline an offer for, um, you know, 1500 bucks because it's not worth the agency's time, but that keeps the creator's lights on, you know? So I think there's a discrepancy on like how we value what we value and, and, Creators should be deciding that, right? Whether they want to take a deal or not. I love that. So you have obviously been in the podcasting space. So we kind of want to ask and, you know, pick your brain about trends that you have been seeing. So kind of where do you see the medium playing out within this next year? We do know that, um, I hate this word, but it seems very (laughs) saturated and a lot of people are trying to enter it at one time. But do you think that's great? Do you think that's a good thing or what kind of trends are you seeing kind of formulating around it? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's going to become I mean, I don't think there's like a bubble. Right. People say I think it's going to become really big. And I think from an analytics standpoint, it's going to become smarter. I think the fact that more companies are thinking about it, you know, that Spotify, for instance, is so aggressive into investing into it and, and all these other players, I think it just shows one, the importance of the medium, the power of the medium, but also it's going to provide the tools to make it a lot better um, across platform, more integrated, you know, with other platforms, whether Instagram or Twitter and and other ways to actually like discover content. I think search around podcasting is going to become a lot better. Please, Uh, good lord, thank God. I know I was I was hashtags in that podcast app. (laughs) No, we were thinking we were actually saying on the podcast app if you could like comment back to reviews and things like that would be the new Instagram. Like if we were able to engage with people on the podcasting app, game Game over, over. game over. I know I don't know if they want to do that, but like it would be 
revolutionary at least in our or e-commerce within podcasting actually be Ooh. able to shop right right from the podcast or oh hell just yeah. to even think like the community around podcasting is really lagging you know that right now podcasters have to go off platform and other platforms in order to um engage. speak to each other and yeah. engage their audiences and, yeah. and listeners like we so. have a fa- secret facebook group we have our instagram like exactly. it is uh, yeah it is very all over the place there should be some one centralized platform uh, that oh my god wow now my head is like spinning imagine but if they also listen- say but they also say that you should never so the downside of that mm-hmm. is that if the podcast app had that we might only be in the podcast app and yeah. people always say to diversify your social media platforms right it would ha- it would monopolize our content following yeah but no i was at ces and someone said that podcasting is no longer an emerging technology it 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 is an emerged technology and i just thought that was so wild because it does seem still very on the up and up but like no it has (laughs) cemented itself as a very important and valuable type of media and we have to listen to it and be smart about it and like it's people like and it's companies like podcorn that help facilitate that transaction transaction um i do want to ask so we have a lot of people obviously that are listening and they might want to get into the podcasting space in 2020 so what have you seen um to be successful podcasts a successful podcast what kind of tips what kind of content should people be putting out what kind of things can we learn Ooh, from what you I seen? feel I feel like I want to ask you guys oh. question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do well, want to point okay. out real quick to our audience because we're talking a lot about monetization and people yeah. starting a podcast I do want to put out not I, I shouldn't say the warning is the is the wrong word but we're talking a lot about monetization and making it really easy for podcasters to monetize but to even get to the point where you can be eligible to even start talking to brands yeah. is not something that happens quickly in the podcast world. Absolutely. You and know, also something like as we've dabbled, I think there's also people, you know, want to be so quick to, as as we said, monetize their podcast. But sometimes you don't want to tarnish maybe or disrupt the content with an ad. So Right. Be respectful of your of your listeners, of, of who your uh, community is, because it might not be um, feasible or not. It might not be practical at a point in your in your um, listenership right. to disrupt the content with ads. So kind yeah. of think of it that way. I think we were very like, OK, we're, we're great. Like, let's go monetize. <laughs> let's do this. And then people were like, you guys got a good thing. Like just yeah. who said that? Actually, my husband said that. Yeah, it's like you guys have a great thing. Like you, you shouldn't be so quick to not right. sell out, but just like there, it is a disruption a little bit. Yeah, and I think I think to that point, I think the view should be about the right brands, not any brands. Exactly. And, and I think you know, for instance, like on Podcorn, we don't have a threshold of how many downloads you need to have in order to start sending proposals to brands. Obviously, you have to have an a- active podcast, but I think. Um, you know, like one of the things we're exploring is that there's so many creative individuals who have amazing podcast ideas, but some podcasts are expensive to get off the ground. So even getting a sponsor to help like finance your podcast and put money behind it because they might, it might relate to something that they're interested in, or maybe you're, you know, you have a personal brand and personality from other mediums or other platforms, whether it be YouTube or TikTok (laughs) or, or another platform that makes sense to churn a podcast around it. Like musicians, we see that doing a lot where, you know, they'll do something like a behind the scenes on an album or a particular song. And um, so there's different ways to work with advertisers early that are very right for you but it also comes to like choosing the right sponsors you know if you are um a cooking channel like it might not make sense for you to advertise like a b2b startup but it might make sense to work right. with hershey or or you know some someone where you can do like a recipe and and something like really authentic to your listeners so i think it's just yeah. being mindful and choosing wisely yeah but i, I would say don't sweet. go into a podcast if your goal is oh, to monetize yes. no do I don't, not I don't think... do it but i know we're just talking a lot about it so i just want to emphasize okay. like okay. don't do it because you will make money you totally will the money yeah. will come but it does take a lot of consistency and time to get it's to the that same point. with becoming a youtube an, star a youtube star or an influencer it really 
you, obviously you see these overnight sensations but that's that's the exception that's not the rule yeah. and yeah you you do need to be very consistent with it and it's gonna take time as with and passionate a, and very, very passionate, passionate yeah. and that's kind of something we've seen is the only time we've ever done advertisers is because it's one organic it's something that we've already spoken about on the right. podcast and they've reached <laughs> out or whatever and we haven't been as aggressive about it um which i think I think our community, our listeners would like fish it out of us yeah. if we were s- promoting something that we yeah, actually didn't believe in. Yeah, if you promote a brand in. you don't love. Exactly. It yeah. shows through, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, okay, so what are some of your favorite podcasts? Ooh. Ooh, that's um, a good question. That's a good question. <sighs> so, I mean, I've been listening a lot to... Uh, <laughs> I've gotten into true crime, which oh. I know I'm like really late to it because I was like, I'll never listen to it. But I've we been listening to that. a lot of Sword and Scale, which is terrifying me and oh giving me God. nightmares at night. Oh um, but I've been oh really into <laughs> I've really gotten into sort of like self-help and motivational. Do you listen to Ed Milet? No. Oh, my God. Your life is going to go change. Listen to your first episode should be with the Marie Forleo one. <gasps> It's okay. so good. You'll love it if okay. you like self-improvement podcasts. Yes. But like On Purpose with um, Jay, Jay Shetty. Shetty. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great one. Um, I also listen to so many investing, investment Amazing. podcasts or like entrepreneurship podcasts. So A16Z. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of been my world initially. I, I just really enjoy listening to founder stories, I guess, or people who have been in my boat and experienced the same kind of struggles and pains I mean um how I built this yes yes I still haven't listened to that podcast I don't know how you have it I listen to it purely for Guy Raz I think he has the most incredible (laughs) podcast voice of anyone I need to listen to it I I do a good impression but I that's not that's not let's let's not this time oh my god I love that um so I'm constantly discovering stuff I think through the platform I'm discovering really unique and different content every day which is which is really fun so I'm discovering different passions in podcasting because the thing is like I didn't really get into podcasting because I was a podcast fan necessarily Mm -hmm. I've become a a fan through my work in the medium which is kind of like a backwards entrance into it but yeah as an entrepreneur someone might be listening to this who might not want to get necessarily into the YouTube space or into the podcast space but are inspired by the success you've had as far as you know selling your first company and selling a company and all this good stuff what is the best piece of entrepreneurial advice you've either been given or that you can give to our audience oh that's a hard question um there's so much I I think just solve a solve a problem that you care about don't get into a kind of to monetize or to to make it rich you have to be really passionate because the highs are high and the lows are really low and it's very hard um I think also like find a really good co-founder I think you know you know doing something with another person makes it a lot easier you have someone to cry to at night when things are going wrong and I think having someone to share not only the burdens, but who complements your skill sets is really important. So I think doing it alone is really hard. So having like either a person or a network of people that you can rely on um, and keep at it. I think like also like launch very quickly. I think to your point earlier about doing many ventures and I think in the startup world, you need to be open to failing quickly. I think even with my team, I have the mentality, let's ship quickly so that we can fix it quickly. Mm-hmm. And because I like knowing when things aren't working. Um, oh my God. A Yeah. You're, I, I was going to say, you're speaking our language. I love failure so much because I read this quote, don't know who it's by, don't know what the exact quote is, but it said, <laughs> fail as often and as many times as you can and do it quickly because then you'll get to success quicker. Like just... I have such a great relationship with failure. Yeah. I've failed so many times and people have looked at that and been like, you've literally quit everything you've ever done. Nothing's ever worked. And I was like, well, on to the next one because no. one thing I'm going to do is going to work for me. And I finally found those yeah. things. And if you let the either the fear of failure or the actual failure in itself keep you down, I mean, I think it's fun. I'm like, okay, great. That didn't work. Yeah. What's next? You just found like a hundred ways of how not to do something, but then you'll find the way that it really works. And I think um, with companies, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's this weird thing I heard, but it's like playing Monopoly. You can't collect $100 until you pass around the board and like, you know, really go and get started. And I think that's very true. Like you won't know um, 
if you're going to be successful if you don't actually put the idea to work and you don't get it out there and don't launch and don't talk to users. I feel like a lot of people build products in a vacuum and they don't talk to their user base until it's too too late. Too late and you're like, oh shit, I didn't even take into consideration my customer and the person that I'm yeah. actually creating this for. Okay, I have a really geeky question. So you were a product manager at Google mm-hmm. and I have worked in startup tech world since I graduated. So I'm very... I love hearing about these types of jobs. And um, so can you kind of describe what a product manager does and how they are integral to a tech company? Yeah, I mean, essentially, you're driving the vision behind the product, right? And how it functions. So it's not essentially that you're doing it alone. You have a team of people, but you're understanding what features need to be built and why and really figuring out how to go about deciphering what it is that you're building and why you're building it. So it's really exciting. Um, Within my role, I really got to work on FameBit and continue to integrate it into Google and to YouTube because we actually integrated into YouTube. FameBit's a part of YouTube now. So that's been really exciting. And yeah, I've always been very close to the product, but really comes down to being integrated into users. So I feel like I've always been um, like very creator focused at YouTube and yeah. really being close to like what the creator needs are from the platform and, and focusing on that. That's super smart. I think I love the, I don't know why I just, I'm so f- fascinated with the role of a product yeah. manager because it seems anyone that I've ever known that was a product manager has to marry these types of technical sides yeah. to them, but also very creative and very, I feel like product managers think of every possible solution and are very it's really obsessed focused with the on user. the user experience yeah. and really Love understanding, it. you know, how to make the product better, what's not working and why isn't it working and really focusing on the metric side of things. Uh, I think that's really important. I think a lot of people don't look at data <laughs> enough um, and, you know, and basically you can't build for one person, but you have to build for a lot of people. And I think that that's what makes products work and I think even with Podcorn we really opened up the marketplace we're not saying we know everything we actually want to hear from the users so it's really exciting in the sense like we're doing support now we're like answering our own support tickets because we want to know the pain points and of of the actual users I love love that. that that's really important all right. This has been Lovely. incredibly informative. Yeah. I'm so happy we had you on because I think a lot of people are very either frustrated by the system or are clueless and don't, there's not a lot of transparency. So I'm so happy for Podcorn that they're kind of putting the, the power back into the creators, right. which is an incredible feat. And it is very user-friendly. Oh yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. So tell everyone where, if they do want to join Podcorn and they're a podcast, how do they go through that process? Yeah. Um, just sign up on podcorn.com. It's super easy. There's just like a few steps to sign up. Um, and right away you can start browsing opportunities in your Podcorn dashboard. Um, uh, and if you like brands, you can send proposals. You really can think of it as kind of like a Airbnb for podcast sponsorships so that there's no obligations. We don't take rights of your podcast. You know, um, you can kind of come and go as you please. There's no exclusivities. Uh, it's yeah, it's super creator friendly. I love that. I love it. Also, um, who came up with the name? Because that name is stellar. It's good. It's so good. Really? Some people were like, is this Porn? Ah! Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. That's so funny. Wow. Is I... it popcorn or porn? Oh like my god. Popcorn we didn't even think and we porn. we would have thought of that. I know. Wow. Yeah, that's weird. No, I I got the popcorn pun. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We got it. We got it. Good. So I've been traumatized. I'm like, I'm not sure if it's a good name or a terrible name. Oh my but, god, but both, I love it. But no, both are really name. popular. So I'll be happy if popcorn is as popular as either. There you yeah, go. Exactly. There you go. Good way That's to look good at it. Uh, outlook. Yeah, you know. Um, and you can find us at OKSIS Podcast Sisters, and we'll see you next week. Love you. Woo. Thank you. Ah. Uh, mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.